Boots and cats and boots and cats and boots and cats. PJ's podcast. Welcome to PJ's podcast. I'm your host, Ruben Mitchell, along with me as always, Sir Monty Frazier. What's going on, Monty? Oh, not much, man. How you doing? Just winding down from the day. How are you doing today? Dude, it was a busy day for me, man. I, you know, I just, uh, I'm ready to chill, ready to talk about these things and then uh, mm. hit the hay, man. I'm I'm run down. Yeah. Sounds like I, you had a busy hear, day, too. I had a busy day, man. I was, you know, going out of town, coming back into town, you know, wife's back in town, just d- dealing with all that fun stuff. So oh, but, yeah. but we're here. We, we made it. We made it. We're here. Let's we made it. Yo, are you ready for some Culture Wednesdays? This is the new segment Ooh. that we decided to do. So we're going to talk about uh, some French things that uh, not a lot of people really like to talk about that much. But we figured... Might get a little spicy. Yeah, yep. Um, I think it's important that we talk about these things and uh, bring them to light and uh, you know try to find some common ground. I don't know if we'll agree or disagree on these things, but we're going to go ahead and try to tackle this thing together. What do you say? Let's do it. Let's give it a shot, man. Let's see what, let's see what we can do. <laughs> All right. So the first topic that we're going to discuss is racial segregation on American campuses. So black only dorms and uh, separate graduations. And the reason I want to talk about this is a couple of days ago, Grand Valley State University hosted separate graduation graduations. They called them graduation celebrations for Black, Asian, Latino, Native American, and LGBTQ students, in addition to the main graduation. So they had five separate graduations. And the Columbia University has six different graduations, uh, native graduation, uh, graduation for LGBTQIA plus community, uh, Asian graduation, a ceremony for first generation and or low income communities, Latinx graduation and a black graduation. And a, a 2019 report from the National Association of Scholars looked at 173 schools and found that 76 of them, so 44% of universities, offer segregated ceremonies. What's your feelings on these, Monty? This makes no sense to me. Like, I don't, I mean, it's so funny that we talk about, you know, segregation, like in the workplace and segregation, like even like in neighborhoods and cities and stuff like this. But yet, like at college campuses, there's there's segregating uh, graduations. I mean, that that doesn't make any sense to me. And that seems to be against like everything that everyone else is saying. Um, I mean, I I mean, I went to a pretty big college and we all graduate like it was still wasn't big enough that you had to separate people we all graduated together and of course different departments have their own graduation like you know the you know the business school and law school whatever had their own graduation and you had the big general one um but you're all together um so i don't see how you know they see this as appropriate for one and for two like i don't see like how come we're not hearing any backlash from like the media or even the students that are attending these like like what's what's going on here what do you think so that brings me to our first clip of the day, right? I'm going to show you what the <laughs> I'm going to show you what the uh 
what the students think about this, right? This is an actual clip from, uh, this is an actual clip from Virginia University. And this is a great, um, this is a great video to show what segregating based upon skin color, what this does to the culture inside of universities. Okay, so I'm gonna show this real quick. Let me share my screen and my audio. Can you see that, Mont? I, I can, yeah. All right, you ready? Mm -hmm. Let's do it. Public service announcement. Excuse me. If y'all didn't know, this is the MSC. And frankly, there's just too many white people in here. And this is a space for people of color. So just be really cognizant of the space that you're taking up because it does make some of us POCs uncomfortable when we see too many white people in here. It's only been open for four days. And frankly, there's the whole university for a lot of y'all to be at. And there's very few spaces for us. So keep that in mind. Thank you. Wait, is this, is that, is that real? That is absolutely real. That's what... $60,000 gets you. I'm I'm dead serious, Monty. You know, there's so many there's so many things wrong with that, right? Uh first off, first off, she said that there's only so many spaces that that she can go to, implying that she's only allowed to go to separated parts of the university dedicated to uh black people right right that that's the first thing that that she is she lives in a world that she's not allowed to go into places because of her skin color right right that's the type of stuff that segregated dorms segregated graduation graduations right that's the type of stuff that it breeds right it breeds on on the white side Right. It breathes that this is the way that all black people think about white people right there. Right. And on mm -hmm. on the black side, it makes you think that, you know, white people are nasty and gross and, you know, are trying to kick you out of every place that you're at. Like, it's not. It's not good. Right. Like, it's not good at right. all. It breeds yep. hatred. Yeah. Which is which I don't think is good. But, you know, overall, what do you think? this does for our culture um i mean obviously it, it destroys our culture like obviously you want inclusion right and this is you know like you just said it it tears people apart it, it tears you know races apart when you when you do something like this like we need to find a way to bring everyone together and not not divide them um and like you said it, it creates stereotypes with within races on other races um and then and then that's that kind of stereotype. It stays with people for a very long time, if not forever. And so once they go to a workplace, once they get out of school, or like you know, they still have these thoughts in their head, and and it's going to impact their lives and other people's lives. I think you know for a long time until they're in a situation where they realize, okay, like these people aren't aren't you know who what who they thought they were, you know who I thought they were. Sorry, um, and and they real and then they can come and realize that you know there's you know that the, what they've been doing this whole time, it hasn't been correct. Yeah. It just, um, 
I'm I'm just kind of blown. To be honest with you, I'm just kind of blown away that people think it's okay to segregate upon race. Like, right, yeah, what is going on? Right. Yeah, I mean, like, you mentioned like we, you mentioned you, Jim Crow last well, episode. That's exactly like, right. Like Jim Crow ended for this reason. So why are we bringing this back? Seriously, like it makes zero sense to me. Right, that back in the '60s, you know, there was a group of of black people that fought to get this taken away right you could you could almost say that you know martin luther king king gave his life so these this stuff wouldn't happen again right yep. and now black people are are calling for it like what happened what do you think happened between like me and you were we're each in our 30s right and i felt like back in our childhood there there this type of stuff wasn't something that i grew up with right there was no separation on race it, when i was a child right i no i never saw color ever right it was never put we were never pushed to see color but right. now our children are pushed to see color like they are literally pushed to identify if I were to see you, Monty, identify you based upon your your skin color, right? When did when did it mm -hmm. change? When do you think this changed? When was there a shift in the culture to not you know look at the content of your character, but look at your skin color to to judge you as a person? Yeah, I mean, I I don't know. Like I said, it, when I grew up, you know, and you know, I, I I've lived in the inner city. And then like we we you know obviously moved to Oklahoma and I grew up in a predominantly white neighborhood and you know I I, I played with like literally everybody I I really you know color wasn't an issue or or a thing to me when I grew up and you know I, I mean there was all races that were around me that I considered friends and that I wanted to be around not just you know I didn't didn't say oh I can't be around you because you're not dark enough or you're not light enough so. Um, I don't, I don't that know when statement that blows me away, yeah. Monty. That like yeah, that trans that was never a thing, man. That was never right. like it was never, it's never a thing, it's never been a thing until yeah. people started forcing that down our throats. Yeah, and like even in high school. Oh, sorry, even in high school, like we had like you know, there's clubs and stuff like that. And like the club I was in was a multicultural awareness, it wasn't black awareness it wasn't white awareness it was multicultural awareness and so like you know i wanted people to learn about me and i was interested in learning about other cultures you know and um and that's what i saw was important and a lot of people bought into that and it just seems like this that whole thing is has shifted and it's you know you know and it's you know segregation is coming back but it's like people want God. it like you know the black community asking for it. It. white community wants it it's like it's like the guy um you know the author of dilbert that we talked about a couple episodes ago you know like you know he was like you know i'm, I'm done with them i'm moving away i'm gonna hang out with all whites again you know and like you're like what's going like, what are you what are you why are you saying this what's going on so um that's and, a that's but a, then you, keep going keep sorry going. what no, no and then you, i mean obviously and then you see it like that it's it's in colleges and like it's you know being accepted as the new normal and that, that should never be normal yeah I, I think uh i think what you said is a great segue into our next clip of the day right because <laughs> because you you said it best it's almost like we're we're 
going into segregation again, but at our, you know, like wanting it, right, you know what I right. mean? Like, like it's not forced anymore. It's like they're right. Like we're wanting it as a society, which makes zero sense. And I'll, I'll show you a clip because you're exactly right. The Dilbert guy, right. Basically said, I'm going to stay away from, from black people now. Right. Like mm-hmm. they don't want us to be around. So screw them. Right. I'm I'm going to stay with my own race. Right. Yeah. So there's a clip going around from uh, Robin D'Angelo that basically says the exact same thing, but the roles twisted. Right. Mm. So take a, take a look at this one. Um, Robin D'Angelo. And she basically says the exact same thing that uh, the Dilbert guy said. And I don't even uh, know his name. He's just a Dilbert guy. <laughs> you said it last time we were talking. Like nobody knows who that dude is. No, we we got no idea. We just know the cartoon. So oh, that's that's, <laughs> that's about it. All right, here you go. Big believer in affinity space and affinity work, and I think people of color need to get away from white people <laughs> and and have some community um, with each other. And I'll I'll let that go and maybe see if anyone else wants to pick it up there you go that's on the other side right so it's coming from both sides right yeah. I, i'll tell you what i honestly and truly believe is it starts in the university right those are young minds coming in as soon as they get there they're segregated by race which mm. is absolutely horrifying right like that is what we're teaching our kids right now that your your skin color matters and who you screw matters right that's how you're going to be identified not by the content mm-hmm. of your character not by what you do it's all based upon your skin and that's it yeah. and that is just so far of a step back right from where i think uh you know the the martin luther king you know movement where it took us right was you know you're based upon the content of character like that's it right and i felt like we were gaining momentum there and people were judging everybody not by the color of skin but but by who they were and then all of a sudden you know we took a massive leap backwards right and anybody that's looked at these things can see that we are we are going back right now we're we're not going forward whatsoever but I'm going to I'm going to show one more clip here because I really want to get your take on this. Uh, this is actually a professor from Rutgers University, and uh, she's she was speaking about uh, white people. And and here's here's her take. Money and I, I, I after we get done looking at this, uh, just go ahead and respond to it. OK. Yeah, thanks. I- all right there you go i do think that all of us can sort of agree that a politics that says like there are superior and inferior human beings just isn't the way to go and that's the thing that white people don't trust us to do because they are so corrupt 
you know, their thinking is so morally and spiritually bankrupt about power that they can't let, you know, they fear viscerally, existentially letting go of power because they cannot imagine that there's another way to be. It is either that you dominate or you are dominated. And isn't it sad that that, that is spiritually who they are and that they can't imagine a sort of more expansive notion of the world? The thing I want to say to you is we got to take these motherfuckers out. But I know, but like, we can't say that. So the problem with this clip to me is like, problem is like, this lady has followers. There's people that listen to her and probably hang on to her every last word, right? And so she says something like this and they're going to take it to heart and they're going to be like, yeah, that's what we need to do. And then, and, and, it, and this problem grows because now those people are like, oh, white people are just power hungry and, and, and we need to take them out, you know? And like, and like, like, how is that like going to like make society better? Like, obviously like you're just, that's just making the divide even bigger. Cause you're just pushing, you know, in this instance, white people away, but it could be any race. You're just pushing them away because now all of a sudden you got to take them out. They're bad. They're power hungry. Their character is, you know, all the things that she said that, that like, each person is built different, right? Like there could be, there could be like a thousand white people and each, all, all thousand white people have a different character, have a different personality. Same with black peoples and Latinas and Asians. Every, everyone is different. Until you get to know that person, you can't judge if you want to be around them or not. So it's very frustrating to see that type of thing. Um, especially, I'm going to go back to the college campus again one time because it's like you know especially growing up in o or Oklahoma and you can actually say Oklahoma is probably pretty segregated because I mean you can go back to the you know the race massacre that we had in the 20s or whatever but sure. um you know we have a north side and the south side and north side you know people are like oh north side's all black south side's all white and so like there is some kind of like un you know heard written segregation there you know and so you go to these schools and you might go to like a predominantly all black school or predominantly all white school so when you go to college like that is your opportunity like to see the world and like you know just have an inclusive like mind of like it's a melting pot of people and you, you get to learn other cultures and you get to meet other people and like that should be the time that you see the world and not but and all of a sudden everybody's getting forced back into a box and they're sticking with like their, you know, the all black side and the all white side and the all Mexican side. And the, even the what Columbia is like, Oh, the low income side over here, what are we doing? That, that, like when I heard that, that blew my mind. I was like, Hell just because yeah. someone's low income, they can't, they can't go hang out with the people, the middle class, the upper class, like what are we doing? So, um, but the thing is like people like that, you know, and like, you hear that, and that's the same person that's going to attack someone like Donald Trump for saying he's divisive. But the same things coming in your mouth is not anything better than what than what he's saying either. So how are you helping? So I mean, like that kind of stuff just drives me crazy. Do well, better. yeah, no, seriously. And thing is, is is why um, this type of language, right, makes more people be on the on the north side and on the south side you know what yeah. i mean this type of language is what creates you know a separation or a divide based upon skin color this type of conversation right like the there no wonder people are freaking separate segregated right now right like right. if that is what's coming out of our universe that's a college professor she's done a ted talk Right? right. That's a college right. professor there. 
saying, right. right, we should take them out. Right. Like, are you kidding me? Right. And, and right. on yeah. top of that, I mean, like, think think about what that does for like for you. You know what I mean? Like that that puts you in a bad position, right? Because now everybody's judging everybody upon uh skin color. And now you know, people are going to judge you upon what she said because you guys are the same skin color. You know what I mean? Oh, like, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Obviously, like, you know, the, the the people of color, the POCs, as she likes to call it. <laughs> yeah. The, the POCs listen to it and they're like, oh, we got to take them out. And then the I'll say the non-POCs listen to it and they're like, oh, these guys are trying to take me out. Seriously? And, like, yeah. <laughs> and so, like, without even knowing who each other are, they see each other and they're already mad at each other and they want to fight. Like, like there's already a, a conflict built within just because of, you know, one person's, you know, rant. So, I mean, I, I mean, that's crazy. Yeah, it, it really is. Um, so, you know, I, I think this is terrible, terrible for for our culture. Absolutely terrible. Um, you know, the one question I, I've got for you is, you know, is race race relations getting better or worse? in your opinion well i mean personally for me like like on a personal level i don't i don't see it i mean obviously it's like things could happen behind my back or that's not in my face but um like looking out into the media and like you know seeing articles and reading clips like obviously you would have to say that it's it's getting worse um like obviously like different places in the country are have a bigger racial tension than other places but when you when you hear a place like virginia or rutgers which is in new jersey like some of these columbia's in new york some of these places that are supposed to have these big melting pots of people that didn't have segregation that's something you would you expect to see like in kentucky or in alabama which you know it's this, the south where where they can uh you know when you expect to see it because traditionally that's where it was at so now you're seeing it in, in places that there is a, a lot of culture like you know um we talked to a pastor from New York yesterday and he, and he talked about the, you know, the, or not yesterday, but a couple of days ago, the big melting pot when it comes to like religion and stuff like that. And then the same way as a big melting pot of um, ethnicities there. And I, I mean, I think there's actually a correlation between the two, but you wouldn't think there's segregation when there's so many different types of people, but obviously, you know, there is. So to me, it has to be getting worse. Um, you know, more better, better than like when I grew up for sure. Yeah, which which is sad, and and I've got a um a chart from uh Gallup poll showing that uh, you know basically the question was or the poll was relations between Black and White Americans from basically two thousand and one, uh, very good or somewhat good was about seventy one percent, sixty eight percent, um. And that rang true from about 2007 all the way up to 2013. And from 2013 to 2015, you see an absolute steep decline. So it went from 70% of the population thought it was pretty good uh, race relations. And then 2013, it went from 70 to 53 in 2015. So what do you think Mm. happened in that you know that's only two years to drop twenty percent. You right. know, right? Um, I, 
what do you think happened right there? I don't, I, I don't know. Actually, as I was, as you're reading those numbers, I was actually going to like interrupt you, but like, dude, like what event happened in 2014, 2015, 2016 that, that made, that made this happen? Um, I, there's nothing on top of my head that, that comes to mind that makes me think, um, that makes me think what this decline was. So yeah, uh, I, you, do you have anything? I, I really don't. Um, I, I can't, I can't, uh, put my finger on exactly, you know, what happened right there. You know, um, the, the thing is, is, is people say that the divide came when Trump came into office, but obviously from, from the statistics, it was before Trump, right? Yeah, like I mean, it started yeah, to decline well, 2013 to 2015. Yeah, oh. Obama so, was president um, until 2017. So yeah. I think Trump Trump took over in 2017. So obviously, like I mean, there's oh, 2016, four years yeah. there. 2016. He was 2016, 2020 through 2020. Oh, interesting. Um, but yeah, so I don't, I don't I don't know. I mean, obviously, so Obama was president then, but he I mean he had two terms. So even so, half of this time everything was good and then when i like when he got reelected again maybe <laughs> things got got sour i don't i don't i don't know man uh, there, i mean there's uh, nothing off the top of my head that makes me think um actually that, that's so funny you mentioned because the very first thing i thought of was like uh it's like there has to be an obama trump correlation here but but even looking at that i don't see it yeah, I mean that that's that's the thing is is everybody wants to to chalk it up like Trump was the great divider and it looks like we were on the decline. It looks like Trump was just fuel to the fire that was already, you know, already burning at that point. Yeah. Right? And yeah. I can we'll do some research for those who are listening. We'll do some research and figure out exactly um you know what we think happened around 2013 yeah. to make such a steep uh, such a steep decline in race relations you know the other thing about this chart is you know there's a, a bar here of people that said that race relations were very bad or somewhat bad and it was about 30 percent 30 percent of the population thought that race relations was bad mm. and again it's 2013 it goes from 30 percent and in 2050. 15 to 53% of the population thought the uh, black and white relations were bad. Right. Right. So, so something yeah. took place there and it's yeah, not, and that's... it's not getting better. Right. You see, <laughs> you see uh, it, there was actually right. a, it's getting worse. Uh, well, there was actually an increase uh, from 2015 to 2017 and then it started to go down as Trump took office, but it's right. still declining. In 2020, it was at 44% uh, thought it was good. Now we're down to 42%, right? Yeah, so, and all-time all, all low, it's 42%, right? Yeah, and we're at an all-time high of saying it's very bad, right? Yeah. So we, we are going to have to make a culture change, right? Absolutely. How do we yeah. do that, Monty? How, how do we do that? Man, I'm I'm stumped. Like this this chart, the the data you just showed me, like it stumps me. The videos you played, it stumps me. But like obviously, like 
I don't, I mean, I don't know. I mean, obviously it has to start. I mean, I've had this, I made this speech earlier, like if it starts in the household, you can say parents, whatever, but at a certain point when these people grow up and they get out of the household, they get in situations that they have to make their own decisions. Like in college, your parents aren't around to tell you this and that, whatever. Um, and so they have to make up their own decisions. But obviously, when you have professors saying stuff and people around you saying stuff, those people will influence you and, 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 and help you make those decisions as well. But, you know, and I mean, we can flip it to talk about religion. Like, obviously, like we talk about less people yeah. going to church now, like the less influence on the church and politics, the less influence on the church, obviously, in colleges, you know, Um so I mean that there's a direct correlation right right there is like I think if these people were in the church if they're hearing the word um, I think you would see less of this and the fact that we see a, a correlation of like less people in church less people doing those things and then a greater divide and segregation I I, I think there's there's a there's a reason why that's happening. Yeah. So. Um... I do believe the exit of the church in the public forum, right, has something to do with this, right? There's not a, a ton of um, the Christians out saying, you know, that this is is not right, right? Like, um, mm -hmm. but also, I I think I, I may have found a little bit of a correlation, and and you can agree to disagree on this, but Trayvon Martin died in 2012 right that happened in 2012 and if you remember yeah. if you remember obama came out and basically encouraged not encouraged but he didn't stop the writing right he didn't say that that uh you know basically didn't help calm the you know overall I don't know what you call it, overall feel of, of uh, America because we had gone a very long time with peaceful race relations. And then Trayvon Martin came out, right? And it caused a, a stir, right? Because we, we hadn't really had a stir like that for a long time. If you look at the chart, it was basically good from 2007 up to 2013. It never moved. It was basically a straight line. And then... Mm -hmm. Trayvon Martin came out and this was a big deal, right? Because this is kind of one of the first things that we saw in a long time dealing with, you know, black and white issues. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that Obama did a, a disservice to America by not calming the situation. He almost put, you know, fuel to the fire there. And I think with, given the chart you can see that since that point there's been a, a huge huge uh increase in black and white black cops or white cops with black children black guy you know what i mean like it, mm -hmm. ever since then that's been a thing right uh riots in the streets every time somebody gets you know shot or there's an unjust killing of of uh you know a black guy at the arms of a, of a white cop right? Riots, everything else. And then you, you know, you get three months worth of, um, you know, people in the media saying that there's a huge divide in race and all those different things. And I think there has to be some sort of correlation there. And correct me if I'm wrong there, but I, I think there has to be some sort of correlation. Yeah. I mean, I, um, 
saying you're wrong at all. I, but I, I think, you know, um, we talked about the media before and how media has like a narrative and they, they push a narrative. And I, I do think you're, you're right for a very long time, the Trayvon Martin and, and uh, George Zimmerman um, was yeah. like the main headlines. Right. And then for a long I think time, it grew yeah. so much, yeah, it grew so much attention that the media hung on to that. So every time you saw <clears throat> um, a black male or, or a black person shot by, by a white police officer, it made headlines. Right, you you saw it all the time. It was oh, that was that kid in St. Louis, and then um, and then that nurse in in Louisville, Kentucky. Like I mean, like like I don't remember. I had all used to know all these names, but um, but every week I seen like there was like another you know mm-hmm. black death at the hands of a of a white police officer, and that and that was the narrative that they pushed. And I think in that process, you know, to get views and get viewerships and help the ratings in the process they they drove this divide you know um and then obviously eventually it died down and now today you don't like you don't see any uh articles of a of a, of a black man dying from a white police officer like that so um you know the kyle kyle rittenhouse thing you know that got attention right so mm-hmm. um i i i think that drive i mean, I mean I'm pretty sure, yes, the White House and the government at the time, Obama at the time, they didn't make a big push to to stop it. But I, but I think the uh, the media as well kind of drove this because yeah, like, I it think was the right hot there. topic at the time. Yeah, I, I absolutely think that uh, the media is one of the main cor- uh, culprits to uh, the major divide uh, based upon your skin color. I, I think the mm-hmm. media has a lot, a lot to do with it. Um, but I, I, I think, I think that, that if I were to have to, you know, say what caused it, I would say that that was it. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. And we, we haven't been able to make a turn back. Right. Right. Um, but for me, for me, what it's going to take is conversations like these, like I, like I just said, um, you know, me and you, me mm. being white, you being black, having these conversations, um, mm. to show that, you know, what a lot of the media is saying isn't what the general public truly believes and feels, right? right? I know that when I look at you, I don't see race or color or anything else other than my friend. And I know that right. when you look at me, you see nothing else but just a, a friend. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like you were a best man in, in my wedding, along with Antoine, along with Marcus, right? Like mm-hmm. color means absolutely you were in my wedding to too, by the way. That's, that's right. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like I want, yeah. I want our society to go back to that. You know what I mean? Right. I want our society to, I mean, there's always ways to make progress, right? But going back to segregation is right. not pog- progress whatsoever. No, that's, that's, and whoever that's thinks not that is just dumb. It's right. just stupid. I mean, you just gotta look at the history and and how hard, like you like you brought up, um, certain people, Absolutely. like how hard people fought to to end this, right? And, and, and now we're, and we're at a point where people are just volunteering to do this again. I'm like, no, like you're you're rewinding history. Like you don't want to go back down that road, you know. And so, I don't know what the solution is, though, Ruben. Like I don't know how to re- to reverse this, and like I don't even know where to start. Well, I, what do you think? 
So I said, I, I think we start in the church. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's where we start a place where, you know, um, but you have to get people in the church to start like to do that. <laughs> well, I think that's what the revival is there for, mm-hmm. right? Our, our Christians start to come together. Um, you know, and I think it's going to take people, uh, good, good people, uh, Christians to step up and be willing to fight for what's right. Segregated dorm rooms are not right. Segregated nope. gra- graduations are not freaking right. And no. Christians, you know, Christians represent like 60% of America. Six, right. uh, like o- almost over 60% of America. They need to stand up and say that's not that's not right. Um, right. You know, I can say it all day, but there needs to be uh, people of a, a darker skin color to come out and say it also. Right. right. Because well, I, I, go ahead. I have two young girls and it'll be a long time exactly. before they're in, in college. But like, you know, if they came to me and they're like, hey, like dad, like, you know, and like, if like dad, like they're, like they're wanting me to do this. I would raise hell like the president, like the chant, like anyone at university that like, is going to hear from me because the dean, like, like how that's acceptable blows my mind. And like, that's not how like, you know, I mean, you already know, but that's not how I raise my children, you know? And, and that's not like, and for the, for them, everything that I try to instill them that they're trying to reverse, like, it's not okay. And so if I, and so the point. parents of these children like need to stand up and like, they need to be heard too. Cause they're the ones spending this money, sending these kids to these colleges. Like well, the, if, yeah. if, if it, if attendance race goes, rates go down, those colleges will change their mind because they're losing money, you know? And so, um, there ha- think it right. needs there to start somewhere. It needs to start somewhere. I mean, everything's based around money. They'll do whatever the dollar says do. Right. Yeah. And so, yeah. If, you know, if, if they have, you know, a hundred thousand people enrolling in 2023 and that thing drops down to 65,000 people in 2024, they're like, okay, we're doing something wrong. We need to address it. Right. And if, you know, if, if they can pinpoint that this is the thing they're doing wrong, it'll change. But like, there needs to be some kind of direction there. And someone needs to step up and, and lead that. Well, I, I think you're, you're correct. The other solution to this is to stop attending, right? Yeah. Stop attending yeah. those colleges. Parents, if you're listening, stop sending your kids to colleges that are literally right. trying to segregate your children based upon their skin color. Right. Just stop doing it. Right? They're, they're winning. They're probably, doing it. Like we just saw videos of this happening. You're exactly right. You're exactly right. And I think you're right. Follow the money. Right. If less attendance, if uh, less people go to those colleges, right, the less money they make and the, the they'll have to make a change. Because the public as a whole will say this is inappropriate. This goes back to my my comment I made on, on Facebook, right? I believe that society as a whole should determine what's appropriate, right? This isn't right. appropriate. So society should say this isn't appropriate. I'm going to stop sending my kids there. You stop sending your kids mm. there, they're going to have to make a change because they're not going to make enough, uh, have enough kids enrolling, therefore, you know, they're gonna have to cut those back or, or they're not going to be able to fund their college. So that's, right. that's probably one of the angles. Also, the other angle are people that have the means uh, and the ability need to probably create their own, you know, learning institutes that go against what the traditional university is doing right now. You know, I don't have mm-hmm. the means for, for it, but 
I think right. there are right. people that that believe that this is bad for our culture and right. have the ability to do that. So I, I think I think there needs to be uh, different universities pop up that are grounded in in uh, you know a good moral compass that right. judging people upon their skin color is probably not good, right? Oh, 100 percent good for the culture. A hundred percent. Any parent out there, anyone who plans to be a parent, like this is a conversation that you need to have when your child is looking for a school. Like when you're yeah. visiting your camp, when you're on campus visiting them or you're on the phone talking to them, like we need to ask those questions. And if, and if, you know, they say that, you know, this is what we do and this is, and this is why we do it. I mean, I obviously like you cross them off your list, you know, and then once they get an, enough people shut the door on them, they'll change, you know, but um, that's just one place to start, but I mean, obviously there's others. The church is a huge one, um, at home. It's a huge one, but, um, and, and I mean, obviously with social media and like, you know, podcasts and stuff, everyone has a voice, but you know, these networks are giving people this voice to, to spew this hate, um, that needs to change too. But obviously, I mean, that's not going to happen. So. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> you're, you're right there, but, um, you know, I, I like what you keep saying about, it, it starts in the household, right? Yeah. Like, I, I think that's very good uh, for people to hear. And it does start in the household, right? It, it takes parents, uh, you know, teaching their kids that this isn't a, this isn't good for, for anybody, right. especially you, I think you said it best, you instill certain principles within your kids, and the college mm -hmm. is going directly against those principles. Right. right. So why why would you ever want to send your kids to somewhere that's literally going to unwind 18 years of parenting? Yeah. Right. In four yeah. years. So my yeah. my advice I is mean, just don't don't do that. Stop sending them there. Don't don't do it. I mean, obviously, like you send them away. You don't know what those kids are doing every day. Right. You're trusting that the people, the professors, um, you know, the resident directors in the in the dorms that everyone's the you know the counselors everyone is going to take care of your child while while they're away from you right um and so and so you don't know what's going on and then you see all of a sudden you're on youtube and watch a video telling them that they don't want to hang around white people or they don't want to hang around black people and you're like is that my kid so uh i mean i just i don't know man but like i mean this like I, I really truly believe like there might be some parents don't even know this is happening until it's too late. So I mean, yeah. you just gotta be more aware of what's going on um, as a parent, but you know, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. And, and this goes, this goes to our kingdom talk also, right? We we've determined yeah. that the kingdom is uh, peace, joy, and righteousness uh, with the father. Yeah. And, you know, this type of behavior and, and, the things that that we're hearing from these videos that doesn't reflect righteousness at all right, right. like not yeah. even close to it and you know if if our job is is to advance the kingdom and bring people into the kingdom uh righteousness should be shining but i do believe that the reformation that's going on hopefully is the father turning that ship it's a big ship it's not going to happen overnight but you should see right. more righteousness coming out of the media, coming out of podcasts, coming out of our, you know, our our households and our communities, uh, because mm. I believe that's what the Reformation is about, 
right? right. Bringing people right. to the kingdom and the kingdom right. will shine, which means righteousness will, you know, become more prevalent in our society. And that's what yeah. I'm hoping for. That's what, that's why I go out to the corner, right? That That's yeah. why I do that to bring people into that relationship so they can in turn, uh, you know, show righteousness and, and hopefully start to inspire those in the community and, and righteousness and peace and joy spreads throughout that community. So, oh man, that was a, that was a good one. That was good. You got any, any more last statements before we move to sports? Uh, no, no. I, no. <laughs> you sound unsure. <laughs> Don't, I, I, was like, I mean, I can start ranting if you want me to. But I'm, I'm going to try to behave, behave myself tonight. So, well, think, we, we've think, got many more D of Detroit, these to come. Detroit Mercy got my last rant. So, um, <laughs> um, I'm with you. There'll be more, many more of these to come. Like right. I said, this is a new segment right. that we're doing. Um, you know, just basing our conversation, basing our conversations around culture. And having these conversations, I think, is good for our society. So with yeah. that, let's move into sports. Sports. Okay. What do you say? Okay. Let's 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 do it. It's you know, it's, it's a it's a light day. Obviously, there's basically just the NBA going on. Oh, uh, I will give you a little update. Uh, have you been paying attention to the uh baseball world series or, or like world championship, world cup? I, what's the what's the what's the baseball thing? Uh, I don't know exactly what it's called, but it's basically the world competition in, in baseball. Yeah, and the baseball I, world classic, actually. That's it. Yes, yes. I, yeah, I mean, yeah. like I said, to talk to my dad, right, I have to talk baseball uh, because yeah. if you want to talk to him, you either have to talk about Jesus or baseball. So he keeps me up to date. Dad, I love you. You're the best man I know. Mm. Uh, <laughs> but he keeps me up to date with uh with a lot of this stuff but what's going on well it it just ended right and so uh japan uh beat the united states to to win the whole thing um i, I can't pronounce his name but uh the pitcher uh otani uh for japan he actually struck out his teammate mike trout uh, to to win the win the whole thing, so the United States um, in the in the sport that we uh, made and invented <laughs> lost to the Japanese in the in the World Classic. Well, um, that pitcher that you're speaking of is the best pitcher on the planet. He's the best baseball player on yeah. the planet right well, now. You know, Mike Mike Trout's a former MVP as well. So, like, obviously, it was probably a great great yeah. matchup. And I'm pretty sure like some of these countries had their best players for I'm pretty sure the United States probably didn't have their best players on show, even though, like I said, Mike Trout is a former yeah, MVP. So, freaking culture um, of we, we don't do that stuff anymore, just like the Olympics and everything else. Yeah, just like the Olympics or like, you know, the dream team doesn't even exist anymore, you know, something like that. So um, we got we got silver. You know, I, I personally for me, like. If baseball is your sport, like I feel like we should win it every 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 time they ho they hold this. But, um, <laughs> yeah. I know, I know, uh, I know the Japanese have some amazing players as well as well, and, and their their league is huge over there too. So, um, well, um, I, like I said, that that pitcher is is the best baseball player on the planet, right? He's yeah. he yeah. maybe the the best hitter 
in the ML, ML in the MLB also may be the best pitcher in the MLB. I would That's say crazy. he is the best pitcher in the MLB. I mean, he That's is an crazy. absolute freak of nature. And uh, you know, it he he's in, he's incredible to watch, right? He's it almost gives you the sense of like the babe Ruth, right? Because we really? we grew up mm-hmm. in the era of pitchers are pitchers, they don't hit, right? Hitters hit and don't pitch. But this right. guy pitches and he's the best. He also hits and he may be the best, right? And that's, that's what crazy. Dave Bruce yeah. was. So there's been kind of a, a you know, an, a fascination with him and a viewing that has given MLB fans a little bit of a bump and a little bit of an excitement uh, to watch him. So if you do get a chance, mm-hmm. watch him. It's really fun to to watch a pitcher strike out everybody on the field and then turn around and hit a home run on the pitcher, you know, the next right. day up to bat. It's pretty fun to watch. So that's good that's, stuff. That's huge. But the an- yep. Angels must be ridiculous, though. So if they have both of these guys on the <laughs> roster. They're not but, bad. You should you should definitely watch out for the Angels. Um, and that locker room talk is going to be insane, you know. Um, oh, when yeah. They get, <laughs> when, when, they get, when they get back together. Yeah. Um, but there's a, there's a little update on that. That that ended yesterday, and uh, I know you're a baseball guy, so I wasn't sure if you're if you were paying attention or watching it. But I got the notification that uh, USA choked, you know, when it mattered <laughs> most. So. What's um, new? What's new? Um, John Morant is back. Did you did you see this news? I have not. He's back from his suspension, and he went off the counseling. Um, he actually that played tonight. That was yeah, quick. that was it was, it was like oh, it was just like a week. <laughs> so I, I I think he had an eight eight game suspension in the NBA, but uh, I think jetted off to Florida for a little uh, counseling session. But he played in tonight's game, came off the bench. He got twenty four minutes. Uh, he finished with seventeen points, five assists, two steals, and a block. So um, not bad. He still, you know, he he was pretty. What sharp was his for... shooting? What was his shooting? How many? Uh, he's uh, he's six for thirteen for field goals. Oh, um, good. That's really good. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Over two for three pointers, but he was five from six from the line. So, um, yeah, not not good bad line. for someone who who uh, wasn't even like in the gym for for uh, a couple weeks. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, obviously, if you saw any of the pictures and the videos of what what he's was doing before counseling, um, people worry about having a drug problem or alcohol problem. He said it had nothing to do with alcohol, and he's never had an alcohol problem. He actually said, "I I, I went there." Uh, to get counseling, how to learn to manage stress, um, cope with stress in a positive way instead of ways I tried to deal with it before that caused me to make some mistakes. So I, I mean, obviously he's a young kid making tons of money, yeah. you know, the whole, you know, the franchise is on his shoulders. Uh, he's his dad's middle ticket because his, his dad's on the freaking court side every, every game, you know, there's a yeah. lot of pressure. And, you know, if you don't properly know how to, you know, deal with that and handle that obviously it could lead to some some bad habits and i think that's what we saw from him so yeah hopefully... i mean there was a whole 30 for 30 episode on that you yes, you remember yeah. that where they were mm-hmm. talking to a nfl football player that got hurt and basically got cut and they cut him a check for 60 grand and it was yeah. his last paycheck and he yeah. said he was driving home and saw a hummer in the dealership and pulled in and spent his last 60 grand on a Hummer. Like they, yo, man, they, I mean, it's a lot of money. It's a lot of stress and and they're still young. I mean, I mean, they're mm -hmm. young, 
they're they're really yeah. i mean you give millions upon millions of dollars and again our right. culture isn't conducive to being a stand-up guy married you know that that's mm -hmm. not the lifestyle that people want right now right because our culture has right. has made it to where the guy that goes out to the clubs and carries a gun and throws money at the strip club that's the person that everybody wants to be right, right. You, i mean yeah. a, a great a great uh one to look at is like uh kurt cousins right like mm -hmm. the guy has like a minivan and has been living with his parents while he's been in right. the, the nfl right nobody's right. trying to be that dude right but right. he's gonna be way better off than most of the people right, right? uh right. yeah absolutely so i think i think our culture has a lot to do with the decline of of these young athletes a hundred percent. I don't know if there's like any, I know in the NFL, they do something like this, but like, I don't know if in the NBA, like there's like education um, as like with their rookies that they have to take, like, you know, for like, you know, I'm sure financial literacy is, but... and, but well, right. But these guys, they get that money. They're going to do whatever they want to do. But mm -hmm. you know, he, he's made his apologies. He said that he said the counseling helped and um, dude, I, I, I hope it's real. And I hope he turn turns it around. Cause I mean, the guy's a talent and he can really play. Yeah. Um, yeah, me and too. so It'd be nice to keep him around and not be in a, a, a future 30 for 30 of like, what happened to John Morant? You know? so, <laughs> no, not. Um, or not. I mean, or you, you can go back to society, right? Be like, you, Dennis Rodman did the same stuff and people loved him for it, right? <laughs> when Michael Jordan has to fly to Vegas and pick you up to bring you back to Chicago to play a basketball game, you know, that, I mean, that's something. But like, if you try to do that today, no chance. Yep. I'm with you. I'm with you. So. Anyway, moving on to the to some football news. Uh, did Cam Newton make it a comeback? Have you heard about this? Ah, trying to make a comeback. Yes, He's yes, I trying have. to make think? a comeback. Um, I saw I saw some videos of of him throwing. Um, he didn't look bad. Obviously, like it's the environment is conducive to to look good, right? There's no pressure. You're by yourself. You're just throwing to one other person on the field. Uh, so he he looked good. Um, I just don't know if he can do it, man. Like he's 33 years old now. He's had a few rough seasons. He had that bad shoulder injury that really changed the game for him. Um, and the guy's already, he's besides the, the guy's won it all. Like he's a Heisman winner. He won national championship. He was an MVP in the NFL. Like what, what did he have left to prove? He didn't, he didn't, he didn't win it, but he's been to the Super Bowl. Yeah, um, he has. But but yeah, I mean, like I said, the guy the guy has done everything. So like at this point, what do you, what do you have left to prove? Well, how how old is uh, Cam now? Thirty three. So obviously, you know, okay. Brady Brady's forty two and just hung it up. Yeah, but I mean, he's an outlier. He's a freaking nature. Uh, and yeah. not saying that that Cam can't make a good you know uh, a good couple of years. I just mm. think he's getting past the point of. Uh, you know, being in that upper echelon of a quarterback, right? It, yeah. He gave it a shot a couple, what was it, last year or the year before? Uh, he didn't play last year, but he played the year before. Like, he actually had a decent year with the Patriots, and then uh, Carolina signed him midseason, and they just see that he, it was awful. It wasn't good. Yeah, yeah, that, and that's kind of uh, what I'm saying. That that last year was, uh, you know, he, he, he didn't look that good, and – you know, I, I'm I'm all for Cam coming back, right? I've always yeah. been a Cam fan, right? Yeah. I, I think I think I I like that style of quarterback, 
right? Mm-hmm. I Absolutely. like a quarterback yeah. that can run. He's big, um, you know, kind of makes makes the uh, linebackers and the cornerbacks look kind of silly when they're trying to tackle him. Um, mm-hmm. But I just don't know if he's got it still. I, I really don't. I, if he would have had a good year um, his last year, I would have said, yeah, he probably has a shot. He looked, he right. didn't look that good. And you say he had a good year at the Patriots. I don't think he had that good of a year at the Patriots. So yeah. I think he was on, on the, I mean, he was getting traded left and right. Um, everybody mm. kind of knew he was on a decline. Uh, he's never been a, uh, a very uh, good mental quarterback, mm. right? His, his off right. the field stuff has been always kind of sketchy. Um mm. So I just don't know. I just don't yeah, know. I, I don't I don't think there's a gonna be a spot for him, but maybe maybe there is. Yeah, that's funny you you, you said that because that's like his, his brother kind of mentioned that. He's like what everyone sees on the TV screen, uh they see his character and they see his confidence, but they don't see his grit and they don't see how many hours he puts in. The media has what uh they what they say about it, but I know who he is, where he's been. Um, they know and they know who he is too so his brother thinks he's still still got it um and he, he doesn't think that he's washed up um i will say like a lot of people in the videos a lot of people have mentioned like you know he got that shoulder in, injury he kind of wasn't the same after that but he has that zip zip on the ball so maybe you know a year you know laying off of it got a chance to heal maybe he, i mean he, he can actually throw the ball down the down the field um because he could not, I mean, obviously, like many of the Patriots, like he he ran like sixty percent of the time. He didn't throw it very much. Didn't throw it over over twenty yards. Um, so hopefully, um, that's kind of that's kind of changed. But obviously, with his confidence, he, he went out there. And he's like, "Tell me how these randoms keep getting jobs." He's like, "Don't worry about it. I'm going to show you. I can't wait to show you." So like, he still thinks he has something in the tank. Um, I, I hope and, like, so. I, he, yeah, I, I hope he does. Yeah, but I think it's good but, for football. I mean, it, it okay perfect I, I i love it and you know we've every week we always update you on a quarterback signing with a with a team do you think a team um is going to give him a chance obviously obviously a team so? will, will, yeah absolutely he's cam newton right really? i i think i think he'll get a shot i don't think he'll get a shot to start right mm. i mean look at some of the quarterbacks of the league bro like I'll take a thirty-three-year-old right. Cam Newton over some of right. these backups right. for sure, dude. Right, that's uh, what no that's doubt what he about said. He it. goes, he's he said there, he goes, ain't no way there's thirty-two MFers better than me. And obviously, there's 30, 32 starting quarterbacks in the look, league. Look, I, as much as I'm harping on him being a little bit older, Tom mm-hmm. Brady threw the age argument out the fucking window dude. oh yeah dude 33 you, you know what i mean like 30, 30 he threw it out the window that's not a a, a yeah. good uh, a good argument to be had now age isn't one because if tom brady can win a super bowl at like 42 41 years old right mm-hmm. like cam newton's 33 and he and he looks like you know a greek god next to tom brady oh oh my gosh you know and and on top of that like i said you got he may not be a starter so that's 32 quarterbacks now we're getting in to 64 quarterbacks right if you go number two yeah better than those guys right yeah so for sure they'll find a spot for him i just don't know if he'll get a starting spot 
But as we all know, people get hurt constantly. Quarterbacks change constantly throughout the season as quarterbacks get hurt. They have to go Mm -hmm. deeper in the depth chart. He will get an opportunity. What I will say is if he does come back, he has to perform or he is done. There's no more coming back from this. You get one shot here, Cam. Make it worth your while because if you fail again, you're out of the league. Right. Right. If if he gets a shot, this by far will be his last shot um ever to play. Hey, XFL, baby. We talked about the XFL. Go to St. Louis. <laughs> There's your big St. name Louis. right there, buddy. There's 38,000 fans. <laughs> you you could double that. 60,000 fans in St. Louis screaming your name. Take your, and, hey, and take your brother with you if he doesn't if he doesn't make the league. It would be it would be it'll be yeah, huge. T- take what it'd his brother huge. says with a grain of salt, man. It's it's hard to take <laughs> that word you know, when, when he's getting the benefits of Cam Newton's hard work. Right. Oh, so right. It, it just kind of right. is what it is, but um, for, for sure. I hope he gets a shot. Like I said, I'm a Cam Newton fan. I think there's a lot of Cam Newton fans out there. It's good for the yeah. NFL. It's good for ratings and everything else. So more power to you. Right. So we, we, you, you, you mentioned age. So I, I pulled up some, the ages of some NFL quarterbacks. So Derek Carr, he's 30 years old. I think it's crazy. He's been in the league that long. Uh, Tyrod Taylor, who's who bounces back between starting quarterback and backup quarterback, he's 32. Uh, your boy Russell Wilson's 32. Uh, Kirk Cousins is 33. Uh, Ryan Tannehill's 33. Uh, Matt Stafford is 33. Andy Dalton's 33. Uh, your boy Matt Ryan is 36. My uh, boy Aaron... Matt Ryan, <laughs> what? <laughs> I thought I thought thought I'd in there. Um, <laughs> Aaron Rodgers is 37. Ryan Fitzmagic uh, is 38. And of course, Big Ben is Ben is gone. He's 39. Uh, of course, Tom Brady's 44. So um there's obviously some start some starting quarterbacks in the league that's still around that exact same age and producing. And so I don't see why he can't do it. If he's in the right environment, he gets a chance to learn a playbook and he gets a solid shot. So we'll see. I'm with you. I'm with you. We'll see. Uh, Deion Sanders out in Colorado. Have you been checking any news on, on this? Dude, I am excited to see Deion Sanders in Colorado, man. What he did yeah. with that last program he was at was phenomenal. I'm a huge oh, yeah, Deion Sanders fan. I, I think yeah. he is is good for the game of football, man. He is really, really good for the game of football. And he's, I guess he's a really good coach, too. I, I wouldn't have pinned him as a, as a uh, you know, phenomenal coach, but... I mean, he's had a a positive record everywhere he's went. We'll see if mm-hmm. it translates to, you know, D1 football at Colorado. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're not a bad program. They're not a really good program, but they're going to play some really good teams. We'll see what happens. I think it's good for the recruiting aspect. I think there'll be a lot of, of good high school athletes that come to Colorado just to be a part of his team. I think yeah. that's what happened at his last college. I would I yeah. would think that the recruiting kind of went through the roof that they were getting a lot of uh talent there so I'm excited to see I'm excited to see it I'm excited to yeah. see if he if he can actually produce at Colorado yeah, obviously he was at a lot smaller school um, before, but he turned that program around. I think they were they were undefeated and they lost in the celebration bowl um so they end up losing one game um but obviously um going to Colorado, you know, his, his, uh, the motto is we coming, right. Uh, <laughs> because, 
because they were they were one in eleven last year. So like he picked the probably the worst team in Division One football. But obviously they have a lot of history. They won a national championship in in, in uh, nineteen ninety. Cordell Stewart and uh, yeah. Eric Bieniemy and those and those guys. But um, um, they now have the number one class when it comes to transfer portal players. Um, and then I think they're number four overall once you mix the freshmen, the incoming guys. So like obviously his name speaks volumes when you 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 can make your a one in eleven program have the fourth best recruiting class um, in the country. Um, yeah, I just and I just I just read ESPN is they pick Colorado to be the only spring spring game they're televising this year, and Colorado <laughs> has already and Colorado has already sold it out a spring game for an, a one in eleven team. Yeah. So obviously, like the work he's out there doing out there and, and the buzz he's doing is 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 huge, man. And I I kind of I, I kind of like go to his YouTube every once in a while or his Instagram and freaking like, nature, the, man. And, dude, yeah, and it's just that dude like his speeches are just so inspirational it gets me pumped up i'm, like, I'm, gonna, go I'm ready passes. to go play some uh rec so, soccer let's go right exactly so like, I mean, I can... <laughs> oh man but i can only imagine like what the guys in that locker room like how they feel you know going out to practice um but spring ball just started i think they just they just got the like the second um second or third day actually and pads being able to throw the ball but um i I'm going to follow this story and I'm going to follow Dion and the Colorado Buffaloes, man, because I'm excited, especially being in the Pac-12 with this is the last year that USC and UCLA is going to be in there. And so after that, it's going to be wide open, man. So um, I, I'm looking I'm looking for some big things out of Colorado. Well, I, I think it also gives you uh, as a player, right? I would think that having somebody like Dion Sanders his words would resonate a little bit more than somebody else who hasn't been highly successful in the NFL. Right. So Mm -hmm. I think it's good for those guys to go um, coach, be coached by Deion Sanders. Right. Because he knows what it takes to be highly successful. So I'm excited, man. I I don't know where it's going to lead. Like you said, they, they didn't have a great team last year, but I mean, overall the program has been somewhat successful. So it's not like he's Mm -hmm. going to a bottom tier D one team. Right. And they're, they're right there. Like they have the capabilities to, if they are successful to go to a big bowl game or even the, you know, the playoffs. So yeah, we'll see. We'll see if it translates to W's. But I mean, just Dion in in, in general is just he's such a facet. Uh, I mean, I just love love watching him. The a yeah. man that can play both sports at the level he did is just a freaking yeah. nature, man. An absolute freaking nature. It, it's, right. it's incredible. I I don't know if you ever saw that prime time thirty for thirty, but watching him wow. going back and forth is just. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty incredible. So, like, he's the only person to hit like a home run in the World Series and score like a touchdown in the Super Bowl or something like that. Yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, he he was he was fun to watch, man. Well, let's hope he's he does good. Watch. I think it's good yeah. for college college football ratings, all that different stuff. So, yeah. and I'm pretty yeah, sure he's a makes... good, good, solid Christian man too. I think he oh he uh, oh he's instills good principles in in his yeah. athletes. Yeah, no, he's a hundred percent Christian. So. Um, that's, that's all he talks about. And actually, um, you're going to love this. Um, a lot of like the atheists and non-believers 
um, have like started a petition or, or they they started a petition or started like protesting because they don't want him like uh, praying like with his players or praying at the facilities. He ain't gonna go for that, dude. I was like, yeah, I was like, Dion, don't listen to nobody. He's not yeah, gonna, good, he's gonna, good he's gonna do what he wants. But like, prime time but like, over here. Yeah. But yeah, like like you know, they've been po- posting a lot of this stuff, and like they kind of see just how like how Christian he is and how spiritual he is, and like people are now are trying to like shut that down. But he's he's not obviously he's not going to do. It. He don't care. So yeah, good good for him, man. And that's the type of stuff I said needs to happen, right? Mm-hmm. Christians need to stand up and say that that that's not going to work, man. It's not going to work. Mm-hmm. You're not going to shut me down from talking about Jesus with my students, especially a man like Deion Sanders, who obviously gets his strength from the father, right? Mm-hmm. And instills oh, yeah. that into his athletes and lets them know they're not going to shut him down. He's definitely going to be vocal about it. So more power to him. Absolutely more power. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, go Buffs. I'm a fan. I'm a, I'm a fan. <laughs> I like I'm I want to watch. I want to see them do well. I mean, they, they, their first game of the season is against TCU, though. So that I mean, we'll see. We'll see how they stack up against <laughs> that's the gonna, best. Yeah, that's going to be the test. That's going to be the test. Well, so much for an hour long podcast. I think we went about an yeah. hour twenty or so. But if yeah, you like always. this content, please like and subscribe. Leave us comments. We love to chat with you. If there's anything yeah. that you want us to discuss, please leave it in the comments. Other than that, brother. I love you, man. I love you too, bro. All right, buddy. See you in a couple days. Yes, sir.